Team USA announced its preliminary roster for the World Juniors. We'll talk about why Cole Eiserman has not been invited and James Higgins has. We'll talk about some more absences of note. And we'll end things off with a head-to-head between Connor Geeky and Jagger Furkus. All coming up on today's show on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and we've got a packed episode for you today. We'll start off by discussing some notable absences from the recently released Team USA uh, preliminary camp roster. Um, 16 forwards, 10 defensemen, 3 goaltenders, uh, a lot of interesting decisions in there. Uh, We'll talk about why. Why Quentin Mussey and Hunter Bristavitz and Charlie Stramel aren't there. We'll talk about why James Higgins was preferred over Cole Eisenman. Um, and then in our final segment, we'll be we'll be doing a head-to-head. Been a while since we've done that. We'll go through um, our head-to-head between Connor Geeky and Jagger Furcus. Uh, I'll be defending the big guy for once, so that'll be a change. Uh, but before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. All righty, so let's get things started here. We'll start off with um, Team USA's preliminary camp roster, kind of break down the interesting omissions in this kind of preliminary roster, guys who weren't even invited to even try to make the cut. Um, let's start with Quentin Musty, because we I know we have very differing opinions on whether or not Quentin Musty should have made this roster. I don't think he should have, and it's mainly just because... Um, there are so many players in this top six, and you want Quentin Messi playing a top six role if he's going to make if he's going to make this team. He's not the type of player who's going to give you kind of bottom six impactful kind of two way um, value. So I, I just you know, what's your argument for Messi? I, I just don't see a spot for him in this top six. He is one point shy of two points a game currently in the OHL. Uh, this is a player that is a tremendously capable offensive force and he's very very versatile in the offensive zone as well he has grown really impressively in the last year and a bit i remember our our first draft year viewings of his were always very chaotic uh, often lacked enthusiasm coming from our scouting team Mm -hmm. but his progression week to week consistently has been really quite impressive uh since then and he's made his playmaking game a real strength uh his on puck intelligence is now also a strength when at the beginning of the draft year it seemed like his biggest weakness and overall it's he's a player that can make a difference in a split second and he can do that on a third line as well i don't believe that he needs to be inside a top six to be effective i think that a third line role would fit him just fine and mm-hmm. there's quite a few players that were invited to this camp that I think are a lot more limited in what they can offer. Like a, a player like Kerry Terrence, for instance, another OHLer, but one that USA Hockey is a lot more familiar with and uh, clearly likes more than, than Quentin Musty, got an invite. And, and he's a shoe-in for the fourth line. 
That said, if there's an injury uh, throughout the tournament and recalling a player is always a bit more difficult uh, when you are playing a tournament in Sweden uh, compared to in North America when you, yeah. all your players are based here. Bringing mm -hmm. Quentin Musty offers you versatility, and I think that not even inviting him to camp and giving him a chance to crack that lineup is USA Hockey shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because I believe that he would be one of the six best offensive pieces on that team. And even if he wouldn't be in a top six role straight out based off of chemistry and players that are more familiar with each other, I still think that not bringing him is uh, a real, real mistake uh, from USA Hockey's perspective. Not that they really need uh, to make like a perfect decision and who they ice uh, to like have a very good chance at winning this tournament. Like this roster is ridiculously good anyways, but I really do think that this is kind of the USA hockey establishment doubling down on this anti CHL stance and in doing so they are, they're making their chances worse of winning the championship. And I, I just don't think that's overly. Intelligent. I listen, here's the thing. Carrie uh, Terrence, OHLer, uh, Gavin Hayes, OHLer, like the thing is, they're building the roster a certain way. I, I don't think this is bias against any particular league. I think this is just mm. overall them making a decision that makes more sense for the roster. I mean, you look at this top six. We're already talking about Carter Goche, Will Smith, Jimmy Snuggerud. Um, you know, Oliver Moore has a chance. Frank Nazar has a chance. James Hagen ha Hagen's has a chance. Isaac Howard. Um, like the the depth of offense on this team is ridiculous. That's not even including Game Perot. And you know, even Will Whitelaw has an outside chance at this kind of top six um, role because of his offensive skill. Like as much as I love, but, but why would you bring Whitelaw over Musty for a top six chance? Obviously, like that. that right, like, for sure. like uh, I I get that. The only thing is, like. It, when you mention the Terrances and the Hayes and, and, and all those players, like these are players who excel in specific roles in specific situations that Musty just doesn't. And like the the names I've already mentioned, not the outside shots, the eight guys that are like almost surefire, like even Gavin Brindley's in this conversation, Rutger McGordy as well. Like it just it never ends offensively for for USA in like the kind of top six conversation. I don't see Musty being able to compete right now with these guys in terms of overall impact. Maybe in terms of skill, sure. But, like, there's just there's so much. I mean, that's not even... I mean, we can have the exact same conversation about Hunter Bruce Davids, who was a um, was a defenseman picked by the Vancouver Canucks. Was it the Canucks? I think it was the Canucks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, it's the same conversation. This is a player who's outranked offensively by a lot of the players ahead of him, even though he's top three in the OHL in points. That's great. That's good. Lane Hudson, Zeev Booyam, and 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 Seamus Casey alone are going to take all the power play minutes, are going to take all the, the offensive zone time. And, like, who do you play him with at that point? Like, it's probably going to be Lane Hudson and and and, um, and Ryan Chesley as a top pair. Then you have Seamus Casey and whoever else, Steve Booyam on the third pair. Like wherever you put Bruce Davids in that conversation, he's gonna you're gonna be doubling down on offensive defensemen on a pair, and like that's but, just not how USA plays. But they invited an offensive defenseman who has not been very good this season, in Jake Levanovich. Like I, I I think that a lot of these decisions that USA Hockey is making, like you can make an argument that this is about style, but they are bringing players that are stylistically kind of similar that are just quite clearly worse. William Whitelaw is not yeah. a better player than Quentin Musty right now. He's not going no, to be more impactful than Quentin Musty is going to be right now. Same thing, mm -hmm. like Jake Levanovich is not better than Hunter Bruce Davids right now. 
Same thing with uh, um, who was the other one that was brought? I mean, Eric Polkamp got got invited. Patrick Geary got invited. These are yeah. both players that I I don't think are going to be more impactful. And sure, you might not have the perfect stylistic fits, but at the World Junior Championships, it isn't always about stylistic fits. These are a bunch of players put together that often have quite little chemistry, and you need skilled players that are adaptable. And yeah. Mustavitz and Musty have really shown how much more adaptable they are this season compared to last year. And I think that not inviting them is a clear mistake. But again, this is a stacked lineup. It doesn't really matter. I'm getting uh, angry over mainly just <laughs> the one thing very, I'll say, very good players getting let, left out when they yeah. really shouldn't have been. In my the eyes. one thing I'll say in defense of this is all the names you've mentioned are players who are in their final year of eligibility for their world juniors. That's that's the only that's the only thing I'll say in response to that. But real quick on Charlie Stramel, uh, who's not there either. Um, I think we can both agree on this. He did not deserve to be part of this lineup. And I, I think this is a yeah. like one of the only cases, at least I can remember in recent years, of a player being at the World Juniors in his draft year and then not being at the World Juniors a year after. It's been mm -hmm. that bad for Stramel. I, I think he has one goal in like 10 games and that's it. Like he hasn't even reached two points this year. Like it's it's... No. It's not it's not going good for Charlie Stramel. Um the Minnesota Wild took a big shot on him in the first round. I didn't see it then. I see it even less now. Um big, big questions with Stramel. Um, but I'm hoping like just staying in the NCAA, like continuing to hone his craft and like hopefully hopefully like working his game up will help him out a lot. Um, but that's our first segment. We'll get into our second segment where we talk a bit more about the players who are there, including James Hagens, uh, and a lot more. We'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right now in the middle of the pretty much the worst flu season in over a decade. This can be really scary, and Jace Medical offers you a reliable source of medication that you can get delivered to you anytime. Um, they've got a, a variety of different medications you can order, um, but what we want to focus on is the Jace case. The Jace case is a really useful tool. Uh, it's, a, it's a case of five life-saving antibiotics you can take with you anywhere if you like to travel and you get sick often on the road. Uh, make sure to keep a Jace case with you. It's fairly useful. All you need to do to get a Jace case is just fill out a form. Um, and in some cases, you'll hop on a quick call with one of their physicians. And before you know it, you've got a Jace case on the way, ready to be used. Um, they've got on-call uh, pharmacists that can uh, guide you through what the dosage is, how to use this medication, that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, overall, just a bunch of useful tools in order to keep you healthy and keep you ready for the flu season. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular costs. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your first order. Alrighty, so let's move on to some more uh, USA roster talk. I, I want to focus a bit more on the players that are there because it's it's an interesting lot of players. Yeah, First and sure. foremost, um, let's talk about uh, just talk about James Hagens being on this roster ahead of Cole Eiserman. We hinted at that in our in some recent episodes, but for me, it's an obvious choice. Like I'm sure you agree. I mean, it's just yeah, James Hagens fits the style of Team USA and fits their needs especially a lot more than Cole Eichmann does on top of just being the better player right now. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like it's just, I, I, exactly. I agree. Like he, he is quite clearly the better fit and also yeah. quite clearly the better player at the moment. Like 
it, it hasn't really been a question in any of my uh, U18 viewings of the NTDP this season, who the yeah. best player on that lineup is. And it's been James Hagen's throughout. And Cole Eiserman is a still a quite limited player. Like He is a, a pure goal scorer. And especially with the World Junior Championship roster, you need some versatility in there. And as we were saying in the last segment, like if players like Musty weren't brought to bring a lot more offensively in terms of like versatility in terms of being able to adapt into different roles on different lines Eisenman would have to be the trigger man on his line and that would also limit a little bit more what USA could do with him uh in that line mm-hmm. so it's not very surprising to me I know a lot of people might be shocked by this considering that Eisenman has been really hyped up for quite a while now but uh, for th- for this roster, I think it makes sense to not bring him. And the arguments that we were making uh, that you were making in the last segment about uh, wanting to also then bring some fourth line style players, you you really can't have uh, Cole Eisenman <laughs> on the fourth line. Like if, yeah, if that's Musk not as questionable far. for a fourth line yeah. role. Eisenman is a big, big, big question mark too. So yeah. it's not a surprise at all. And uh, James Hagens has a has a shot of making a top six role for himself at this tournament, especially with guys like Musty not being brought. So yeah. uh, it's going to be exciting to see because this is a 16-year-old brought for Team USA. And I don't remember the last time that a 16-year-old was brought uh, to an American uh, World Championships roster. It's been a while at least. I think he's 17 now, but I think Jack Hughes was in that conversation. At least Austin but, Matthews. But yeah. yeah, Austin Matthews, I think, was the last one because Jack Hughes... I forget. Yeah. But either way, it's been a couple years at least. And uh, yeah, it's indicative of just how talented and versatile and mature James Hagen's game already is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And beyond that, I mean, it's just we talk about it. We're talking about Isaac. I think you get that's about as far from a fourth line or bottom six role player as you can get. Like Iserman is your trigger man. But there are a lot of those in this year in this year's roster. Um, You know, Carter Goche, Ryan Leonard. Um, you know, th- those kind of guys are going to be kind of playing those roles in that top six. Um, yeah, even Jimmy Snuggerud can can go in that conversation. I just don't see a fit for him in the top six that makes sense for him to be playing a trigger man role. And like with the depth of offense that they have, like for me, if if Musty's not making this roster, Iserman isn't either. Like there's just no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I find that very interesting because, you know, I feel like a lot of people, at least in the online sphere, have been hyping up Eisenman as kind of the second coming of Cole Caulfield in terms of this next like big goal scoring, you know, uh, force um, out of the NTDP. But Caulfield's game was a lot more intricate and 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 refined, I'd say, than than Eisenman's game is right now. And that's weird because like you're talking about a five seven player who spent his first like three years in college like our first two years in college like this is a player who needed development and Caulfield was still at his, at the same age more refined overall than than Eisenman like I I'm not saying like pump the brakes because he's definitely a very good goal scorer he's the best goal scorer in this class but like yeah. there's a reason why he's not making you know these rosters there's a reason why he's not um in our top five you know um respectively like there are reasons for this and it's because there are some clear-cut weaknesses in this game that like aren't just things you can kind of overcome with goal scoring ability. It's like things that you need to uplift your goal scoring ability that he doesn't have. So yeah, like Isaman needs some work, but like if you refine him well, my goodness, that shot is ridiculous. Like 
yeah, it, it'll be exciting to watch him go about. But I want to talk about a couple undrafted prospects um, that made this cut. Uh, first and foremost, we mentioned him already, Jake Levanovich. Um, uh, he's playing decent minutes um, in the NCAA right now, um, but nothing really overwhelming enough that I would think, like, yeah, this is a guy who needs to make this cut. But this is a player who, like, barely missed the cut of eligibility um, in terms of age. This is last year of eligibility. If you're going to, you know, I, I like the fact that they're giving these guys a shot. Um because Hunter Bristavitz and other prospects, like, like they're going to be there next year. And, you know, you can give them a shot then. But, like, these guys, this is their last chance. And I'm, I'm glad to see that USA is giving them an opportunity. But, yeah, it's Jake Levanovich and Patrick Geary, which are the two yeah. undrafted prospects that are making this roster, along with uh, the goaltender there, Sam Hillebrandt, uh, who's been having a good season as well. Um, I was surprised to see some undrafted prospects in this roster. I don't think either of them make the cut, but I'm glad they're at the camp, right? Like that's just good for hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's a nice story for sure. I, I think that especially with a player like Levanovich, who is at his best on the power play, uh, I, I find it a difficult argument to bring him over Bruce Davis from a sporting perspective. Uh, if this is really more of an idea of giving giving these 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 human beings opportunity and this experience of going yeah. through the camp, that I think is, is is a lot more understandable. But from 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 the actual like scouting or sport, sporting perspective, it's not particularly close between a player like Hunter Bruce Davis and and these two undrafted players. But uh, yeah, like we'll we'll see how how the the camp develops and and who they end up bringing. Like we always see some surprises, right? Like last year we saw a then undrafted Luke Middlestat crack the lineup and play pretty well at the tournament, actually in a bottom yeah. pairing role for Team USA. So yeah, I'm curious to see how how that roster shakes out. For sure, I'm also really curious to see how Eric Polkamp shakes out. Um, he's a uh, San Jose Sharks prospect drafted in the fifth round. He's he's not the he's not the offensive style of you know the glut of players we're talking about the Booyams no. and Caseys and Hudsons. Um, he's more of a well-rounded defensive element, um, but with decent mobility, decent two-way ability. Um, but he's a he's a kind of short and stout type of player who hits hard and and defends his his, his spots really well. Um, so he can be a player you can pair with a. Um, with Aziv Bouyam on a bottom pair and just see what happens, that kind of stuff. It, it could be interesting to see him kind of sneak in there. I'd be surprised um, because of how good the rest of this team is, but we'll see. Um, but that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll talk about a head-to-head coming up. First time in a while we've done this. We'll talk about Connor Geeky versus Jagger Furcus. That's all coming up after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get the chance at $150 in free bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 that you can use on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Whether you want to bet on your favorite team to win the Super Bowl or your least favorite quarterback to throw three interceptions in the next game, the choice is yours with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, so let's end things off with another disagreement. We'll talk about uh, Counter Geeky versus Jagger Furcus uh, as a head to head comparison. Counter Geeky was an 11th overall pick uh, of the um, Arizona Coyotes in the 2022 NHL draft, and Jagger Furcus was picked 35th overall by the Seattle Kraken. Um, so I win then, right? That that's that's where the conversation ends, right? <laughs> No, but I mean, true scout you are, Hattie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there is an actual conversation to be had. These are two <laughs> players that are really, really good. Um, Jagger Fergus is playing uh, decent minutes. Um, man, his his program escapes me. It's the same program Moose as Jaw. Braden Yeager. Moose Jaw, that's what it is. He's playing really good minutes in Moose Jaw. Um, almost a goal per game, or even maybe above a goal per game, something like that. Two under. Very close. Two under a goal per game. Yeah, he is his goal scoring ability was really like probably my favorite thing about him in this draft year. Um you compare that to Connor Geeky, who's playing really, really, really good hockey. Um, but for me, what what sets Geeky ahead of Furcus is the progression in Geeky's game versus the progression in Furcus's. Um, I think Geeky's come a lot further than Connor Geeky. Uh, Geeky has come a lot further than uh, than Jagger Furcus has so far. Um but yeah, what, what's your argument for Jagger Furcus stylistically, but also just in terms of overall upside? I think that Jagger Furcus is an incredibly versatile offensive weapon. Uh, as you said, I think he has the best shot in that draft class in 2022. I think that it, it, it surpasses the other snipers that were in that class, like uh, LeCaramacchi and Kamel. And on top of that, this is an elite level handler. His playmaking uh, game has really come very, very close to matching his goal scoring ability at the WHL level. And I think that translates to pro hockey as well. And on top of that, he's one of the smartest players that's still in the CHL right now. He's an incredibly intelligent offensive piece, really dynamic, really creative, high pace, and I'm a really big believer that he's going to be an impactful top six scorer at the NHL level. I agree with you. I think that Connor Geeky has progressed more than Jagger Furcus has. But I don't think that what Furcus needed since his draft year was overall like progression. Or like, I think he mainly needed to develop what he already had and double down on the strengths he already had. With Geeky, there were some clear weaknesses that needed addressing. With Fergus, just need to keep working on what he's been doing so well for so long. And that's exactly what he's done so far. So this is a player that to me projects just as well now as he did on draft day. And that is a very, very good thing because I took a pretty bullish stance on him on draft day. There was a lot more risk uh, in his profile on draft day than there is now because he's continued to show the same things continuously. And I believe that the intelligence is really going to facilitate all those excellent elite level tools to translate to pro hockey. Yeah. By the way, we're having this conversation because they're both tied in points right now in the WHL with 49. Um, Furcus has 24 goals and uh, Geeky has 20. But overall, for me, what I'm seeing from Connor Geeky right now is a pure play driver, a powerful, powerful uh, straight line skater. His acceleration is still bad. Like it's not it's not necessarily a good thing, but. His top speed, when he reaches it, like he's unstoppable. Like once he reaches that top speed, you, you just can't, you can't, you can't push through him. You can't, um, you can't stick check him because his wingspan is just massive. But beyond just being big, his playmaking ability, his vision, his ability to, to thread pucks through the smallest seams, but also identify those seams, um, has just been so impressive. Like for me right now, you know, he's playing with Matt Savoy, he's playing with a couple other like really decent players, and he's the best player on the ice. And yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive fan 
of what I've seen from Connor Geeky this season. Um, you know, yes, he was drafted 11, 11th overall, but like I had him in the 20s. I had Fergus in the same range, but the gap has grown between the two for me. Uh, whereas for you, it's kind of the opposite, where like you had Geeky at 31st in your rankings and yeah. uh, Fergus at what, 13? 13th, right? correct. Yeah. yeah. And now the gap is shortened between the two, right? Certainly. It's definitely a lot smaller now than it was on draft day. Like, like yeah. Geeky would not be a player I'd be ranking at 31st overall in a redraft now. Uh, he'd be yeah. a lot, he'd be inside the top 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. But I still have to lean Furcus between these two players. And yes, like Geeky is more projectable. There's a better chance that he becomes an NHL piece than Jagger Furcus. But I yeah. think that Furcus has really, really impressive top line potential. And with Geeky, I really do see him topping out as a second line piece. And the progression I've seen from Furcus makes me even more confident in doubling down on my risk and in backing him now compared to draft day. So I really can't give up on this kid. I think that he's going to be a high end goal scorer for a long time. And especially playing with defensively capable centers at the NHL level, like Shane Wright and Matty Beneers. I think he'll be well insulated. Like the defensive game still is not a strength by any means. Yeah, very but much. He won't have to do that. And I think he can play on both wings. He's so versatile offensively. He makes all the offensive players around him better in every offensive zone situation. He's gotten significantly better in transition. I see him using the same strengths that he uses offensively uh, to get the puck out of the defensive zone and into the offensive zone. He's a lot less linear in his skating uh, and, and his roots in transition now than he was in his draft year. And overall, I'm just seeing like all of his strengths continue to improve. And while his weaknesses haven't necessarily taken huge steps to improvement, I just don't think that they had to. And I don't think that, that they are fundamental to his game really translating to the NHL level. Yeah. I mean, you compare that with Connor Geeky, who's like from day one, like a big strength of his was the defensive side of the game. Like oh, he, hugely. He understands the game at a really good level. I think that Fergus, Fergus's defensive lackings aren't a lack of effort. Um, they're a lack of understanding. Whereas for me, Connor Geeky already processes and anticipates a game at a much higher level than than Fergus does. Even though Fergus's puck skills are like well and above, you know, better than than Geeky's, I just think that you can develop Geeky into something much more sustainable, much more impactful overall, and like they'll probably end up playing in the same range of minutes. Um, on the respective teams with Geeky playing a bit more of kind of second power play, second penalty kill, whereas Fergus is probably going to be like first power play, no penalty kill, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But overall, I think they're going to be playing very similar minutes with Geeky being more impactful overall. Um, the time will tell with those two, honestly. It's, it's, they're two very, very, very different players. And um, yeah. yeah, their development is going to be very interesting to keep up with because it'll kind of give you a good blueprint as to how you kind of move forward with your scouting. Like it's, it's a decent kind of thought process in terms of who ends up being better. Um, But that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're uh, listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out our 24-7 news channel, Locked On Sports Today. It's got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports around the world. Um, And make sure to tune in for our next show as we break down some interesting news regarding Yuri Slavkovsky, Team Canada possibly. Uh, We'll get into all that fairly soon. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.